Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to A Journey Through Time, where the pages of history come alive with tales of mystery, intrigue, and laughter. Get ready to dive into the forgotten stories of yesteryears as we present to you Antique Headlines. With your hosts, Gail Cowan and Kristen Fairholm, we're about to embark on a captivating expedition through a treasure trove of the past. Each week, Gail and Kristen will take you on a remarkable journey, revealing hidden stories that once captivated the hearts and minds of readers from an era long past. So, dear listeners, if you're a lover of history, a seeker of untold stories, and a connoisseur of the extraordinary, then look no further. Antique Headlines will be your portal to the past, where every episode promises to be a captivating blend of surprise, emotion, and that undeniable thrill of rediscovery. Hi, I'm Gail Cowan. And I'm Kristen Fairholm. And we are the co-hosts of a new podcast. We are co-workers at an organization in Iowa who have become very good friends. And we dream, we have dreamt for a while of doing something creative beyond work. And so this is our attempt at that. And we hope you enjoy it. Kristen, do you want to explain how the idea for this podcast came about? Sure. So I recently came upon some old scrapbooks from my double great aunt, Neva. um, And she had spent many years of her life um, clipping newspaper articles and compiling compiling them into these wonderful photo albums. Um, So there's all kinds of stories dating back to the 1930s, 40s and beyond um, that are just have just been really fun to read. So we're going to pull some stories from these wonderful notebooks um, and just kind of enjoy the the fun and sweet um, aunt that I had, but also to kind of her twisted side that she had some really um, fun, true crime and bizarre articles in these, in these albums. Well, and what, when you told me the story, which we will do at some point in the future, when you told me the story, the full story about your double great aunt, which by the way, I have never heard that term double great. And it seems so much more efficient than having to say great, great. So maybe this is a thing that I just don't know, but thank you. But when you told me the story, it was, a really great story about her life. And then when I looked at these news articles, what I thought was she collected a really interesting group of articles. As you said, there's true crime. There is, I think it's, they're just a snapshot of how life used to be in a lot of ways. It brings up a lot about how society has changed. But the other thing is that newspaper articles used to be so different. You could get information on people weirdly that you would think now would be easier to get because of the internet. But actually, when I was looking at some of the newspaper articles, they would share a lot more, like medical information, what's HIPAA. And uh, that was really fascinating for me. So we're going to be taking a look at some of those issues as well as we talk about these articles. Or I am. I don't know what you're going to be looking at, but that's definitely something that sticks out for me. So with all of that said, I think I'd love to just dive in. And I want to hear the first article that you, we're going to take turns researching articles. So I'm doing some, she's doing some, and then each episode we will switch on and off. So today is Kristen's turn, and I just want to hear about the first article that you researched. Well, this one is a fun one, so buckle up. Um, I love love the journalistic style in these as well, because there's no detail is spared. So today's article is titled, Husband Badly Burned Breaks Limb in Leap. This is from 1934. Earl Purvis and daughter of near Numa are in hospital here. Earl Purvis, age 42, farmer living on Route 1, and his daughter Thelma, age 16, are both in the St. Joseph's Hospital here today suffering serious burns 
as the result of an explosion and fire, which destroyed their home early today and caused the entire family to leap from the second story of the house barely in time to save their lives. The story is one of the most unusual and remarkable fights with death to be recorded here in several years. At 4 a.m., Purvis went down to the living room of his home to start a fire. He had shaken the ashes out of the stove and believed that there was not so much as a spark of fire in it. Then he placed cobs in it and wet them with kerosene. Sounds a little dangerous. He then struck a match and had no sooner done so than was an explosion that threw fire all over him and the room. In a matter of seconds, the room was an inferno. Sleeping directly above this room was his daughter, Thelma, his son, Oral, age 11, and Haroldine, age four. Besides that, his wife, Clara, and his mother-in-law, Catherine. His clothing was in flames as Purvis started up the stairs, tearing his garments from him as he ran. He would have been fatally burned except for his presence of mind. He could not get his socks off fast enough, and his feet were badly burned as were his hands. He shouted to the members of the family, and the flames in the house spread so rapidly that his daughter, Thelma, who aided in getting the others out of bed, could break through the upstairs window and leapt to the ground. She was badly burned. The boy, Oral, jumped with her and escaped without serious injury. Mrs. Purvis, clasping their four-year-old child, broke through a window and onto the porch of the home. Purvis leaped down with the idea of catching the others. However, he fell on the frozen ground and his right leg was broken in two places. Injured as he was, he called out to his wife to throw the child to him. And when she did, he managed to catch it so that the baby was safe. Although they had left the house only a matter of minutes after the explosion, all of the members of the family were blackened by the soot and flames. It was impossible to save any clothing, and in seeking to avoid burns, the family was practically naked. There was no help nearer than half a mile, and 11-year-old Oral jumped on his horse and rode to the neighbors with nothing on except a small shirt. Mrs. Purvis was cheerful when called upon at the hospital in spite of the tragic occurrence and pain in which she had suffered from burns and from his broken limb. He said that he had sent someone to find out whether or not he had any insurance. If I have insurance for a five-year period, I have insurance. If it was for three years, I haven't any, he said, and I don't know yet which it is. Oral, who rode for help, has the stuff in him that heroes are made of, and in spite of all of the excitement and tragedy, he went to school today in order that his record of three years of neither being tardy nor absent might go unbroken. The father also deserves great credit for his action in thinking first of his family and then of himself. He is glad today that all of his family is intact when it might have easily been broken by death and tragedy. Neighbors are aiding in taking care of the family and taking care of considerable amount of stock that they have on their farm. While many would find little to be thankful for, the Purvises feel that they have cause for rejoicing. That's a heck of a story. Wow. There's so much to react to in that, I think. So I'm, I'm going to just first get the obvious out of the way because it's just too easy. I'm not going to touch it. The whole oral purvis, I'm not going to go there. That's just, <laughs> it's just too easy. But did you say the father was Earl or Oral? Earl. Okay, so we've got Earl and Oral purvis. All right. My main reaction to this story is, wow. It's so different than what you would see in the newspaper today. It's almost as if the reporter was writing a short story. 
there were several things about just the level of detail. And as you were reading it, it was like I was reading a story. And it so that brings up several things for me. I wonder if because back in 1934, the entertainment was very different. It was in shorter supply. And so I just wonder if the newspaper stories were more oriented towards entertainment in a way too. But also maybe it's not entertainment. Maybe it's that communities were different and people really cared about that level of detail because they knew the family and they wanted to know what had happened and things weren't going to go viral, right? So you could just share the information in the newspaper and then that was kind of the end of it. And then the last thing is that it did make me wonder if there was an orientation towards like, it was very positive. The story was very positive. And so in today's news, right, people go on and they look for the thing. Like if you had that story in 2022, all the internet trolls would be all over. What was that father doing? How could he do that to the children? Why doesn't he have insurance? Everybody would be just all over the things. But I almost wonder if back then sharing that level of detail about he didn't have insurance or he, the child, I love the image of the boy practically naked riding through the, it's so, it's so like, you can just picture that child. But I just wonder if it was different back then in terms of it making people feel more compassion for the family when you provide that level of detail. And nowadays what it does is it gives people little holes to pick at and say, how could that have happened? Um, those are my very unordered thoughts. I know you have more information to share, but what do you think about the story yourself? What were your impressions when you read it? It was just so captivating to read each of the details. Like you could picture in your mind, the dad tearing off his clothes as he's running up the stairs and like thinking about the look on his wife's face, like what in the world is going on? You know, he's tearing off his clothes and he's on fire and telling me to get out of the house and they're trying to rescue their kids. And then, you know, getting through all of that and this sweet little boy oral is worried about his attendance record at school. Like you've just went through a major trauma and saved your family, you know, by riding your horse naked and you're worried about your attendance record at school. Like, oh my gosh. (laughs) That's the thing, sharing that level of detail. You would never share that level of detail now in a newspaper story. We're all sharing it online every day on social media, but newspapers would never talk about the, the kid's attendance record in that way, I don't think or the the level of insurance that you have. So it's just interesting. It's a very different world. Well, and dad, you know, squirting the corn cobs with kerosene, like, was that really the best, best way to start the fire Earl? (laughs) Right. We do have some questions about Earl's decision-making in the story. Yes. And I, the other thing that stuck out for me is that the reporter said he was cheerful at the hospital. I just think that was funny Yeah. because is that really true or was he in shock? What was going on? Did Earl yeah. just love the attention? Like <laughs> maybe, maybe Earl was was high on something. We don't know. You know, there are there are a lot of questions. Like it's a nice story, but why that level of decision making? So maybe they gave him something at the hospital. We don't know. That's true. Maybe he's just naturally cheerful. Yeah, he could have been on some strong painkillers. It sounds like those feet were in not in good shape. So what I'm wondering about is the level of just medical intervention at that point. It seemed like an odd detail. Yes. There also was something at the beginning when they said it was the most sensational story to come out of our area in years or something like that at the beginning that I thought was very opinionated of the reporter. 
that yes. would not you would see in the newspaper today. And I appreciated that. It seemed very dramatic. And you know, I do love my drama. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he definitely was uh, on every detail. I would want to be a reporter if I could just, you know, share all the details and then share what I think and not worry about uh, being objective all the time. Um, okay, so you did some follow up about the family. Tell me what you what you worked on. I did. So I was very curious to see what had happened to the Purvis family after this horrific tragedy. So I did some digging, used a little um, internet sleuthing um, and ancestry. Um, I did find out that, okay, so this happened in 19, what did we say, 1934. Earl lived clear up till 1969 and Clara lived clear to 1984. So they lived a good long Mm -hmm. life after that. Um, their daughter, Thelma, who was 16 at the time of the accident, she she grew up and she got married to a lovely chap named Dalton and had, let's see, six kids with Dalton. So she had, looks like she had a pretty good life, had a little bit more tragedy because it looks like she lost um, a baby boy at age seven months. So she had some some more heartache and then lost another child who was in, looks like in their 20s when they died. So, and then Harold the son who was four at the time, he lived to age 78 and had a wife. I couldn't find any kids. So he, he had a good long life as well. Um, sadly, I found that our hero of the story, little Oral, who was 11 at the time, he, he didn't fare quite so well. He got married um, to a lovely gal named Laura. They were married in 1943 um, when he was, looks like 20, 21. And then, so later in the album, as I was I was looking through for other stories, I stumbled upon this article right here, which will pop up on our social media so you can see. And this is a picture of, of Sergeant Oral Purvis in his uniform. And so Oral grew up and at age 20, 21, 22, somewhere in there, went off to serve in World War II. And so I found this article with his picture that talks about his memorial service. Um, so sadly, he was killed in World War II. Um, he died in France. So went off to be a hero for his country and didn't make it home, sadly. Um, looks like a handsome guy, though. He does. He's got some piercing eyes. Look at that. He's handsome. He is handsome. Um, and so then I also found, for folks that are interested, I found Earl's grave. So here's his tombstone. Um, he was killed in action in France um, in October of 1944. So what is that? 11 years after the after the heroic naked horseback ride to save his family, he dies in World War II. And where is this? Where is he buried? So he is buried in a little cemetery in southern Iowa. Did you go to the cemetery? Is this picture or you pulled it up? I did on not. The I actually have been here before. Um, I have some relatives buried in the cemetery, actually. But this picture I found online. Hmm. Interesting. And so then um, Oral, his wife, Laura, she actually remarried later in life and went on to have three children. So she moved on after her tragic first marriage. But it just I was just so sad to find this information about Oral, like such a great young kid worried about his attendance record and saving his family and goes off to save his country and has to end like that. It's just tragic. What ending would you have liked for Oral? I think just to have seen him have a happy ever after with Laura. 
I think. Yeah. It just was sad that he was still being a hero and, and didn't make it home. It's a, it's, it just sometimes seems like some people's lives, they just get too much of the hard stuff mm-hmm. and the tragedy. And this was, this was his life. That is sad. There's a little bit, let's see, if we want to hear about his memorial service, was held at two o'clock on a Sunday afternoon in December. It says that Sergeant Purvis was killed in action in France on October 2nd. Um, and services were conducted with the American Legion participating as well, which was pretty common. The son of Mr. and Mrs. Earl Purvis and husband of Laura. It says on here too, this is a little confusing, but this is what it says in his obituary. It says on October 2nd, the relatives received word that he had been slightly wounded in action on September 20th. In a letter written September 23rd, it said that he was in a rest camp and that he had suffered a shrapnel wound in his arm. A message from the War Department later carried the news that he had returned to duty on October 7th. At the time, Sergeant Purvis was 22 years old and had been in the service since December of 1942. He was attached to the 84th Infantry. So it's a little confusing because his tombstone says um, that he was killed in France in Oct- on October 2nd. So it sounds like the War Department had a little bit of trouble of tracking what was going on with Sergeant Purvis. Well, you have to imagine back in the day, it was a lot of paperwork, right? And paperwork, as we all know, can get lost or be filled out imperfectly. I feel like this is not an uncommon thing. And then as family members, you're also wondering... I remember stumbling once across, we were told in my family, my maternal grandparents came over on the boat from Germany, stopped at Ellis Island. And, you know, you grow up with stories of this is when they came. This is the approximate date that this happened. So, for example, your grandfather came over when he was 19 from Bavaria and he stopped through Ellis Island. And then I remember just for shits and giggles going on to the website of Ellis Island one year, a few years ago, and looking up the date that he came. And it did not at all square with what I had been told in my family. So sometimes the oral history is also wrong, right? It gets passed down and nobody really questions it. And then you kind of, and then there's the third thing, which is that secrets are being kept in the family. And you wonder how all that comes into play. So that's kind of interesting just how we keep these things moving down the line. But I did, I did want to say that, okay, so this is a really interesting story. And what I think about more in a way is your double great aunt and that she kept tabs on these people. So I wonder she lived alone, correct? She did. She was, she was single, never married. It almost feels like, but I don't know. I could be projecting like she sort of collected people and kept tabs on them and wanted to see what happened. I don't know if when you were going through the album, you found that there were follow-ups a lot. Like, did she follow up on people from previous stories? Is that what you're seeing? Yeah, I think she did. But I also think she knew this family personally. Um, I was able to check with my grandma who's in her nineties now, but she remembered the Purvis family. She did not remember the fire. I mean, she's 92 now, but she um, remembered the family and remembered hearing about their son um, dying in the war. Um, But she would have been, you know, she would have been like 10 or 11 when that happened. So I think the memories are a little rusty from that. But um, when I was showing her the book, she was looking through it. And a lot of the people in the book, um, she said that my aunt knew personally. And then there were a lot of like, 
wacky things that she was like, I don't know why she kept this, or this is really a weird story. We didn't know them. And she almost got a little bit defensive at some of them because there's some, you know, pretty outlandish stories in there. And she's like, I think it rattled her a little bit that my aunt had cut those out um, because she was very close. So this would have been her, her first aunt, her mother's sister. And so she was really close with her. And so it was almost like she was kind of defensive of her, which was kind of cute, but there were also a ton of um, articles in there about weddings, a lot of ladies having their wedding announcements and different things like that, which I think was a particular fascination um, for my aunt too. For reasons that we'll talk about in a future episode. Yeah. It's almost like she had her own Facebook in a way. You know how you use Facebook to keep tabs on people and cut out stories of people that you know socially, just sort of on a, in an online way in your brain? It's almost like she was doing that, and that's pretty cool. It's uh, It takes a lot of work to do what she did. She did, and she had her own comment system because some, some places throughout the album, she has handwritten comments on there. Um, and some of them are, are, they're pretty entertaining. Um, there's one next to a story that says sad, but true. And then there's another story that is about someone who I can't remember the details, but she wrote draft dodger above it. Um, so she apparently thought this guy was not doing his, his American duty. (laughs) And I love it because do you know how many times all of us would be going through Facebook and just mentally we'd slap a sad, but true sticker on it. Yep. <laughs> just judge somebody like draft dodger. That's really funny. She just did it in, in her own little album. She and did. Like it. And these albums are, are pretty cool. They've, they've seen some years, but they're pretty cool to look at. Well, I can't wait to tell some more stories with you. Me too. This has been fun. It's been fun. Until next time. Until next time. The tales we've uncovered, the mysteries unraveled, and the laughter shared all resonated with the echoes of history. We hope these stories have touched your hearts as they have ours. As we bid adieu, dear listeners, from this captivating voyage through time, we want to thank you for joining us on the unforgettable journey into the past. Please join us again next time. And in the meanwhile, don't forget to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. This is Antique Headlines, where the whispers of history forever echo in our hearts.